Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Good morning, Thrive. How are we doing this morning? Good deal. Good to have you guys with us today for week three of our second Timothy series called How to Be Brave. Uh, it's been exciting to journey through God's Word with you. I want to say quickly, um, here at Thrive, uh, the way that you can get connected is the path, which we'll have that today, 101, and we'll have, um, uh, I believe it's going to be 201 today. Um, but today, the path, if you've not been connected, if you're like, man, I'm not involved, I'm really, ju- I just come and I sit. I'm not pushing. You can come and sit all you want. I love you, right? <laughs> Just take notes. Makes me feel better um, <laughs> while I'm preaching. But we have a saying, you're as connected as you want to be. And if you just come and, and aren't connected to a serve team or a small group, it's hard for us to know what's going on in your life, to keep in touch with you, and things like that as we care about you. So make sure if you haven't attended the path, today would be a great day to do that. But go ahead and turn your copy of God's Word to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy uh, 3. And we've been in a verse-by-verse series now, third week in 2 Timothy. And our goal here is the number one, as I said before, keep the preacher honest, because i got to preach the text. But number two, it helps us to dive into God's Word, and you get to learn and study the Word, maybe in ways you never have before. Today, I want to talk to you about the purpose of the Bible in your life. The purpose of the Bible in your life. Um, as you guys know, I enjoy uh, nature, exercise, things that, like that. But another happy place for me is the gym. I know it's weird. I drive around 20 minutes to get to my Shady Grove Y to play basketball at 545. And it's quiet. The stars are out. And I get to listen to Garrison Keeler on NPR talk about, you know, on this day. I love it. It's like my happy place. Well, I noticed when I was playing ball that, like, I'd, you know, get some water and come back. And every day... There's this guy sitting on the couches at the Y on his phone with his feet propped up. And one day I noticed he had a Twinkie. I was like, homeboy got a Twinkie, does he? He's like, yeah, this guy had a Twinkie. Now, I don't know if he went and did, you know, a thousand miles running and a and, and hundred weights. I don't, know, I don't know what he did as far as workout, but I know he had a Twinkie there. And every morning he's sitting there. I don't know about you, but, you know, it's been now three years, and there's not really been a lot of difference. And so every day, I mean, we, we, we nod heads at each other, and I'm just wondering. I ain't judging. That's the only facts I have is he sits there like that. And I don't know. Maybe he doesn't know the purpose of the gym. Maybe he thinks just by sitting there, right, he will absorb the ability to lose calories. I'm not sure. Maybe he just likes it, and he says, man, this is a cool place to be. But as funny as that seems, why would he go do that? I believe you and I treat the Bible that way too. We believe because of Sunday school knowledge, vacation Bible school, maybe the Bible being on our shelf, maybe you've got the app, right? The YouVersion app, which is amazing. And sometimes we treat the Bible the same way that this gentleman treats the gym. We believe that just by being at church and hearing a sermon that we're going to get spiritually healthy and spiritually in shape. Maybe we think by having the app on our phone and it just being around us that we're going to absorb some Bible knowledge. Maybe you put it under your pillow like you did and you tried in college. Everybody's tried that, right? You put that book under the pillow hoping as you were cramming the words would just seep into your brain. I did try that before I fell out of ECU, before they kicked me out. I did try that. I wasn't a believer, but I did try it. 
But that's how we treat the Word of God sometimes. And the purpose of the Word of God is not to sit on a shelf, it's not to be an app on the phone, it's not just to be something for the pastor to preach each week. But God has given us the Bible, inspired, infallible, breathed by the Holy Spirit to bring change in our lives. And as we look today, Timothy, who's been our, our main character, we've understood that he is a pastor of a very large church in the first century in Ephesus. This is modern day Turkey, the Middle East. And he pastored Ephesus, which was a hostile city. They did not like the gospel. They did not like what it was doing to their city. And after a while, you know, Paul had pastored Ephesus for two years. Timothy took over this church. And false teachers began to come into this church. Inside of it, teaching things that weren't correct. Not only that, the the culture outside was extremely, extremely hostile to the gospel and pagan. As a matter of fact, do you know that in one of the libraries in, um, in the first century, in that little conglomerate of cities there, that men would tell their wives they're going to the library and there's an underground hole dug to go to the brothel? Do you know that other religions, the way they worship, worship was prostitution, temple prostitution. It was a very wicked culture that he was in. I mean, compared to our culture, much more wicked than today. And so what Paul does here in chapter 3, you see as he's, you know, talking to Timothy, he told him in chapter 1, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Suffer with me for the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me suffering for the gospel. Right? So Timothy's dealing with that. We learned last week he was encouraging Timothy to stay pure, to be set apart so God could use him for great things. And now today, what Paul says to Timothy is this pretty much. Hey man, your culture is terrible there in Ephesus. It's a tough culture. But I'm going to give you the secret to be able to withstand culture and live right for Jesus. And I love this here. And here's what he says here in verse 1. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times. Now, pause for a second because we we always say, yes, amen, brother. We've got the, the, the hurricanes and earthquakes and fires. It's the last days. Well, Paul just told Timothy it was the last days. You know when the last days started? When Jesus was crucified. Because he's saying, you know, you, you know the last days are difficult times. For a day is a thousand years to the Lord is a thousand years is to a day, right? So he tells Timothy that. It's going to be difficult times. It's going to be difficult for you and I too. He says this here. He says, for people will only love themselves and their money. Now Paul's talking about first century culture, but this sounds a lot like America. Somebody say amen, right? They will only love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander the others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Now see, this is the culture that Timothy's in. So this is what he's up against. They will betray their friends and be reckless and be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Now Paul talks about false teachers next. He says, stay away from people like that. That's how we know he's talking about Timothy's day and time because 
He says, stay away people like that. They're, they are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. Now, what was happening there, these false teachers were coming in to the, and, and they were making moves on those women, Right? That, that's, that's, I'll, I'll go that far. You can explain to your teenager exactly what that means. <laughs> Good conversation for lunch. Uh, these teachers opposed the truth just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. So Paul shows them a picture of the Old Testament. He uses a commentary to talk about um, Janus and Jambres there who opposed Moses. He goes on to say this. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. But they want to get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as Janice and Jambres. But you, Timothy, certainly, now this speaks to Timothy now, watch this. Certainly, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach. Watch this. How I live and what my purpose of life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Nobody has that on their mugs we talked about last series, right? Nobody has that stitch on their pillow. We all have Jeremiah 29 11, don't we? I know the plans the Lord has for me to prosper me and make life good. Nobody has this as their life verse. For everyone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Sign up for Christianity if you want to today. Give your life to Jesus. It's great. No, it really is. I'm just saying. He says this, but evil people and imposters will flourish. And that's sad, isn't it, right? Where you work, where you live, evil people and imposters will flourish. It's the hardest thing to know when a pastor is a charlatan and stealing money and his church is growing leaps and bounds. It's hard, right? When you know that there's games being played in ministry. Man, I'm telling you, it's really hard for me. But those people flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. This is how he says, this is how you can do it. You know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught by the holy scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And this is our main scripture today. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Conviction's a gift, amen? We treat it in this day and time like it's some type of bad thing to be convicted. That's a good thing. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And this is the key. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Paul was telling Timothy, I know you got a terrible culture around you. We're in the last days. People care about themselves. They care about money. They're scoffing at God. You're in a wicked place, Timothy. He says, but there is an antidote for this, and it's the Word of God. It's the Scriptures. Don't leave it. Don't walk away from the Bible. It is important. The Old Testament Scriptures they had, and then the letters that were circulating that Paul and Peter and those guys wrote in the first century then. 
He's saying it is useful. It can help you. It can prepare you for every good work. So how does that apply to us today? 2,000-year-old letter or 2,000 years later, here's how. And here's the big idea. Don't let God's word just get to you. Let it get through you. Don't just let God's word get to you. Let it get through you. See, you want God's word to get through you in your life, not just to you. It's kind of like the guy in the gym. Again, many times we sit under teaching or we even read the Bible, but we never let it change our lives. We let it get to us. We listen. We hear it. But we don't let it digest and change us. And that's what God's word was meant to do. He said, culture is wicked. Our culture is wicked. Man, we have a crazy culture we live in. Where you work, where you do business, in your community, at your job, sometimes even in your own family, you are facing things. And you're wondering, how do I withstand this culture? How do I continue to remain faithful to Jesus? And here's how. Let God's word get through you. Here's what that means. When you first come to know Jesus, or maybe even as a child, you get Bible knowledge. And knowledge is good, right? So like when I said 2 Timothy 3 and I was quoting it, you're like, amen, I've heard that, I know that. There are people who don't know Jesus that have Bible knowledge, right? They can quote scriptures back to you. God's word got to them. But when you have knowledge, you got to move to the next step, which is wisdom. And in Hebrew culture, wisdom was applying what you learned. It wasn't just learning something new. It was actually the application of knowledge. And as you grow in Christ, as you apply knowledge, as you apply the Bible, as you live it out, then you're going to have understanding. You can say, well, I've been through this. Here's how God's word has helped me. And here's how it can help you. You've got to have knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. The sad part is for many believers, they stop just at knowledge. They can say, yeah, I know those stories. Yeah, I know that scripture. Amen, pastor. Sometimes you say amen, you just, you're just toning the guy out because you're, you think you already know it. And what God wants us to do is have the word shape our life. Listen, you should, you should, you should get the 365 Bible, read, day Bible reading plan. You should, get, you should do that. It's a great thing. It increases your Bible knowledge. But many people are getting through the Bible and not letting the Bible get through them. Many folks are getting through sermons but not letting the sermon get through them. Many folks are getting through devotional books but not getting the devotional book through them. They have knowledge, but it's never gone any further than that. And here's why that's important, why we have to let the God's Word get through us. Because your quality of spiritual life depends on it. I mean, the Lord literally wants you to live with joy. Not happiness, He wants you to live a higher quality of life. And just like the gym is made for that, to make you have a physical quality of life that's better than what you have... That's what the Word of God is, but many of us are treating the, the Bible just like that God treats the gym. And we're not getting any better at our quality of spiritual life. We're wondering why we're not going any deeper. We're wondering why addictions aren't breaking. We're wondering why we keep circling the same mountains over and over. It's because we've never let God's Word get through us. It's only gotten to us. And if we don't get this, not only do we miss out, but friends, the world misses out. In the book of Acts chapter 4, it's, it's awesome that when, when Peter and James and John are being persecuted in the first century, the leaders bring them up and say, I can tell they've been with Jesus. We can tell that they've been with Jesus. They were his disciples. 
it's, I believe the world has to get to a place where they can look at us and say, I can tell you, you've been around Jesus. There's a glow in your face. Christianity is real to you. It's not some religion. You just say you put a tag on your shirt and live how you want to. Man, something's different about you. I told you before, as I worked at a concrete company, I had three preachers who were charlatans, stealing money from people, and the guys would show up ready to kill them at work, but they were out delivering concrete. Women that they had slept with, showing up, wives ready to hurt them, and they were preachers. And say, look at this little 21-year-old concrete guy who, you know, just got saved, and we're like, what's up with that? But they would always say this, there's something different about you. When you let God's word get through you and not just to you, it changes you. And when it changes you, it's not just for you. It's so others can see Jesus. The world doesn't need more rules. They don't need regulations. You know what they need? They need to see Christians reflecting the glory of God and get hungry for the Lord. And that's what happens when we let God's word get through us and not just to us. See, we have two options when it comes to God's word and it comes to God. You're either going to change God into your image or he's going to change you into his image. See, Romans 8, 29 says that he works all things together for the good of those uh, who love him and are called according to his purpose. You all know that one, but the reason is to conform you to the image of Christ. And many times we're trying to mold God. Well, I think God wants me. I think that you don't have to think, feel, and believe what God wants for you. It says it in the word, right? It's there for you. Thomas Jefferson, you know, one of our, our founding fathers, actually went through the Bible and he cut out all the parts that he didn't like and changed the Bible. He went through it and did that, made his own Bible. And then you laugh and say, oh, that's crazy. We do the same thing. We don't, we just, we just don't cut with scissors. We cut with our lives. We decide what we will and what we will not let change and shape us. So God's word's meant to be internalized. One of my favorite scriptures in Jeremiah 15, 16 is this. Prophet Jeremiah says, your words were found and I did what? I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. He said, your words were found and what did he do? I put it in in my back pocket and just kept it there. Your words were found and I put it on the shelf. Your words were found, it was just another app on the phone. He said, your words were found and I ate them. I digested them. I took in your words and what happened? And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Don't just let the Bible get to you. Let the Bible get through you. 2 Timothy 3 in verse, especially verse 17 says this. It says, God uses it, that's the word, word of God there, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When you let the word of God get internalized in you, it empowers you to do whatever God's called you to do. You know that word there, equip, or that word there in the Greek is? It's really cool. I know you don't care about the Greek word, and I don't either, but, it, but here's what the Greek word is there. It literally means a broken net that has been mended back together again. So imagine a net that was broken when they fished. And it's been mended back together to be useful again. Do you know the word of God also does for us? That when your life has been broken, 
and you've been broken by the world and you've been broken by people and you've been broken by circumstances, God's word begins to put your life back together. It begins to mend the broken places of your life so you can be useful for the kingdom again. When you read and internalize God's word, it does something in your heart that nothing else can do in your life. And somebody say amen. If somebody believes this today, y'all look at me like I just, you know, murder a puppy or something. I mean, really, y'all scaring me. Here's the thing. When it comes to, to the scriptures, I want to encourage you guys to do something. Journal. Whether you have it on your phone or you write it down, whether it's a pen or whether it's pencil, whether it's paper, whether it's this. Learn to write down what God's doing in your life. Learn to take time to slow down with the Word of God. It doesn't matter if you read eight chapters today in the Bible. So somebody say, well, I prayed for three hours and read eight chapters, and you're still the same person you were before. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. And I want to show you, how do you let God's Word get through you? How do you let God's Word change you? And there's three questions that you've always got to ask. And hopefully this week you're going to apply this. Three questions you've got to ask when you're reading the Word. And learn to write these down. So as you're doing this, write this down. Here's the first question to write down. When you're reading the Bible, here's what you do. You write down, what were they going through? What were they going through? Just like we've done in Timothy, right? Like I show you what they were going through. Because the problem is you can't read the Bible and just take it as just straight to you. You can, but you won't get as much change. My life really began to be changed when I started understanding and listening to pastors and preachers who were teaching verse by verse and teaching the backdrop. I was like, I never knew that. That's why it says that. And I found out what they were going through. It is literally the New Testament are letters written from people to people who were facing things. And you've got to find out, well, what are they going through? A study Bible is great for that. I actually call it the ghost of Christmas past. Right? You know, Christmas is coming and Scrooge is coming. My favorite one is when he, you know, the ghost of Christmas past carries him to see there. And they look through the window and they're peering through and they're looking at everything that had happened. When you read the Bible, the first thing you want to pause and do is say, what were they going through? What were they facing? What was he facing? Because when you get to that point, you're going to realize the writers of the Bible were completely human, even though the Word of God is inspired. There were people who got angry. There were people who blew it. There were people who killed people. There were people who committed incest. I mean, man, this is some rough stuff. Don't look at it. It's the, read, read Genesis. Every other religious book, the guys are painted as perfect. They are. Never done anything wrong. And you read, you realize, man, these guys are going through things worse than what I've gone through. This gives me hope. But then you see when David wrote Psalm 51. The Lord renewed to me a right spirit. Cleanse me, Lord, that he had just sinned with Bathsheba and he had lost that, that son and he was broken because of sin. And now it means something to you. Look at what they were going through. That's the first thing you have to do. What were they going through? Here's the second question you got to ask if you're going to get God's word through you. The second question you got to ask is, what am I going through? What am I going through? I want you to realize that the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to every one of us. He is trying to speak to our hearts, but we have way too much noise going on in our life. He cares about that situation that you're going through. 
cares about what you're facing. And what we do is we'll get the Bible out and say, oh, I got to go show somebody and teach somebody something. The worst teachers are those who are trying to teach everybody else, but God never teaches them. And when we actually, we actually did this in Bible college. So like we had, we got graded on this. Like our professor would go through and we would write down what they were going through and then what, what you know, then what we were going through and we'd do the next one. And then if we went through and said, well, what people need to do and what they need to do, he'd mark it out and put an X and put a D on it. He says, God's not interested in telling you to tell somebody else. God's interested in changing your life. What is God saying to you about what you just read? What is the way? And you're saying, well, I don't know. I don't know how to hear God. I've never heard an audible voice, right? So maybe you're way more spiritual than I am. But here's the deal. That one verse will pop out and you're like, oh, man. Whoa. I totally have no patience with my kids. Right? God's like, he'll show you where you failed in that or whatever it is. And then God doesn't condemn you. He'll say, this is what I'm trying to speak to you about. I was at a men's group one time, not here at this church. Um, and, and, and men are the world's worst for this, man. But hey, what's going on in your life? What's happening with you? Well, I feel like everybody and people and I want to teach everybody and be hard, you know, strong and mighty. And I was like, no, nah, man, where have you failed this week? And these guys were like, See, God's word is meant to speak to you about you in your life. God's word's not meant to, to speak for somebody else first. Let him speak to you. What's he saying to you? So never use they, what you need to do. And those people, and your spouse, right? You're writing down, well, I really, I really feel the Holy Spirit telling me that the pastor needs to preach this and my spouse needs to do this. And man, if they would just do that, you know, like, let God speak to you. So number one, what were they going through? Number two, what are you going through? God cares, right? Every detail. Here's number three. What does God want me to do with this? What does God want me to do with this? See, we are called to be doers of the word, not hearers. As I told you, every sermon in it, there's, there's an action step I'm praying for you to take. My action step this week is you'll get in the word and you'll let God's word get through you, right? That you'll actually take time to, to let God speak to you. So you got to ask the question every time you open the Bible, God, what do you want me to do with this personally? What do you want me to do in my life with this? That's called a living relationship with the Lord. You should be asking the question when you leave here. God, what do you want me to do with this message? What do you want me to act upon? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And how should I act this out in my life? See, the more you spend time in God's Word, the more you internalize it, the more you become like Him. The more you look like Christ. If you find somebody who's Christ-like, it's not just because they got good DNA and genes, baby. Listen, they've been around Jesus. I watched my son, man. Like, you know, I got, you guys know, I got a two and a half year old. And like, we spent a, a crazy amount of time together. And, and we really like, you know, one of the things about me, I'm a super curious person of how things work, how things operate. So like, we're literally like talking about this and that and how things operate and this thing and that thing. And he's very curious. What about this? Okay, why does it do that, Dad? I mean, he does. This is how, how he talks. And what about this here? And, and okay, he has wheels. Why not tracks? And people wonder, man, where do he get curiosity from? We talk about he's becoming like me. There's some things I don't want him to be like me with, right? There's some things I've seen him like, no, 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 you can't get on that path. No, 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 no. The more you spend time with Jesus, 
time in the Word, the more you become like Him. And not only does your life increase and your quality of life increase, but man, people get to see Jesus. I'm not asking you to go read 40 chapters this week in the Bible. I'm asking you to find one verse or two verses or something. I'd rather God speak to you in two minutes and change you than you just read a Bible and check it off as a Bible reading plan. Because here's the deal. The moon cannot generate its own light, can it? It reflects off the sun when it's properly positioned. And that's why you see the moon light up. The same way you can't just generate your own light. You reflect the light of Jesus when you're properly positioned and God's word is getting through you and he's speaking to you through there and you're saying, God, what do you want me to do? Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to me about this thing here. And you begin to generate light to the world and they look and say, man, you have such a bright light. It's really not my light. I'm positioned properly as I'm internalizing the word of God. Don't let God's word just get to you, church. Don't just sit in and say, man, I went to church and it was good today. Don't just say, man, I did a Bible study. Don't just, what is God? God trying to change you through his word. What were they going through? And what am I going through? And God, what do you want me to do? Right? Let's pray, guys. Father, today I pray that every one of us would take your word to heart, God. That, Father, it's not about the length of study. It's not about the length of a message. It's not about the length of worship. It's not about the length of prayer. It's about it being real. It's about us connecting with you, Heavenly Father. It's about us bearing our heart to you. It's about you bearing your heart to us. Father, today I pray that everyone in here would know that you're always trying to speak. We just have to be ready to hear. So God, I pray that as we leave this week, we would look at the Word of God differently. God, to have your word come into our hearts and change us to be fruitful in our lives. Lord, may we not read the word and point at culture and point at other people and point at political parties and point at all this stuff. May we look at the word of God and point at our own issues and our own sin, God. And through that, will you please change us into the image of Jesus, Lord, so that the world desperately may see a reflection of Jesus. That's our prayer today, God. Even me, Lord. Let me not just prepare sermons for a congregation, but God, may your word each week prick my heart. May I eat your words as Jeremiah did. May they become a joy and rejoicing of my heart, Lord. And as we're praying today, church,
life to Jesus and say, Kevin, that is me. I'm going to ask you to do something. It's to lift your hand up when I count to three and say, Kevin, that's me. Let the Holy Spirit birth courage in you between me and God. The day if you want that, know that your heart's beating fast, your palms are sweaty, and that's me, man. I'm making Jesus my Lord. I'm turning this thing around. If that's you, lift your hand. One, two, three. That's me. Amen. See that hand. Amen. 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 See those hands. That's me. That's me. That's me. Amen. Right now, right now where you're sitting, right now where you're sitting, I want you to pray this prayer with me, the most powerful prayer you will ever pray. It's a confession of faith. You say, Father God, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I cannot save myself. But I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day to forgive me of my sins. Today I make Jesus my Lord. Today I want this fresh start. Today I turn. 